0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. It's great to hear everybody Um, in the meet and greet, talking and getting to know each other. So, um, yeah, it's fun to hear. It's, it's, It's like music to hear from the front, everybody talking. I feel like sometimes maybe we should make it 10 minutes or more, because you don't get enough time to really get to know people. So anyway, get you started. Um, let, me, let, let me pray for us, and then we'll begin the sermon. <laughs> let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning as we gather together. Uh, thank you for the worship. We worship with song, and now we want to worship through the study of Your Word. So uh, may the words of my mouth be Your words to Your people here this morning. So we thank You in Jesus' name, Amen. This is, as we all know, uh, Fourth of July week, uh, Independence Week, and my my family and I we lived out of the U.S. for close to thirty years. Uh, years ago and uh, it's amazing other countries don't celebrate the uh, 4th of July I don't understand why you know I you know I can understand why Britain would not celebrate the 4th of July but what about other countries but uh, so when you're there and you're thinking this is the 4th of July but nobody's celebrating you know so it makes you think about what is it all about so one of the things I started last year and I hope to continue um, and I would encourage you to do the same is I began to read the Declaration of Independence. How many people have actually read the Declaration of Independence? Okay, there's a few of you. It is not the Constitution. It is not pages on pages. Actually, when they wrote it, it was one page long, declaring. And I would invite you to read that. It is interesting when I read it, of course, one of the most famous lines in the Declaration of Independence, it starts off this way, uh, is it?" they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And as I've read that and I begin to look at our history as a nation, you know, um, and I put this last year on, I put a post on Facebook, I don't post on Facebook much, but I put out there and I I said, "What, what, what were these men who wrote this, what were they thinking? Because at that time, we were still expanding west we were moving the Native Americans where we wanted them as we took their land. And at that time, I think there were probably between four and 600,000 slaves in our land. So what do we mean by that? So as I've dwelt with it and wrestled with it still, what does this mean that all men are created equal? And how do we live that out? I share that with you. As we, as we this week, many times, when you think of the 4th of July, you think of fireworks and family vacations and whatever. But we are celebrating our independence from Britain, and then how we live that out in our own country. Interesting, some of the statements they make in the, uh, in the Declaration of Independence of why we were separating, we begin to impose those on our own people here in our own land. So I fascinate how the heart of man reverts back to a sinful disposition because as the Bible says, our heart is, is evil. The thought of our hearts is evil. So just think about that. How do we live that out? And today as I share with you, I want to hopefully bring this home to you is we have a choice to make in our lives as believers, those who say we follow Christ, is who is leading us in our lives? Who is actually leading us? Um, The last time I spoke to the church or addressed the church, I explained or tried to explain how we could live daily experiencing God's love and forgiveness. We need to experience that on a daily basis. And I looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 3, and I spoke about three people, three types of people. One is called a natural person. It says it in the Scripture. It's a person that has no relationship with God. It even says they think that, you know, the things of God are foolishness to them. And we know people like that. They have no desire for relationship with God or they don't know God. The second person it talks about is a spiritual person who it says in Scripture has the mind of Christ has someone who is connected to Christ and being led by Christ. And then it goes on in chapter three and describes a situation in, the, in Corinth where people were claiming to be believers, but they were fighting among themselves. And it says, you're acting just like the others who are, who are not believers. And so they were being led by the desires of their flesh instead of the, being led by the spirit of God. And so I would explain that it's God's desire that we all live and are led and empowered by the Spirit of God. But we all know we have a problem in doing that because we have an enemy and we have our sinful nature. Our enemy, of course, is Satan and he will do all he can to influence us to give in to the temptations of our flesh resulting in us being led by our flesh. And I explained that when we realize that we are being led by the flesh in our lives, we are not being led by the Spirit of God, that is called sin. And we have to deal with that sin if we're going to be led and empowered by the Spirit of God. And to deal with sin, we have to confess it. And I explained there are three parts of confession. We have to agree with God. Yes, I am sinning. Sometimes we struggle with that. We want to rationalize or justify our actions or what we're doing. But God says, you are living in sin. You're being led by your flesh, and you need to confess it. And then we need to thank him because by Jesus' death on the cross, he's forgiven all of our sins. We don't have to pay for him. He's forgiven them. Even though we still sin, he's forgiven them. And then we need to turn away from that, being led by the by our flesh and turn to him in repentance. And I think as long as we live, I know as long as I live, I will need to practice that on a daily basis. As just as Pastor Jay spoke last week from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And before that is said, if we say we have no sin, we are lying. The truth is not in us. So we have to deal with that. It's, it's a part of life. We have a, a sin nature, and we have the Spirit of God. Those of us who are believers, and those are, are not in agreement. Uh, if you have your Bibles, your phones, or whatever, I want to look at a scripture in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 23. And then this, this passage, we realize, we, we understand the battle that we're facing between the flesh and the Spirit, and it is very real in our lives. So I'd like to read that for us. Uh, It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against against such things there is no law. So as you read through that, you say, well, this is quite a difference. One, there's fighting and anger and dissensions and divisions on the other side there's love and joy and peace it's pretty obvious what, is, what we've been led by so it is a war going on within us and it spills out outside of us many times as the spirit and the flesh are warring against each other as we read in, in verses 16 and 17 it says walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other As I read these verses, I understand that I can choose whether I will walk by the Spirit or I will gratify the desires of the flesh. It's my choice. And so I can't say, hey, I'm walking by the Spirit, and at the same time, I'm gratifying the desires of the flesh. We'll either be led by the Spirit or we'll be gratifying the flesh. You can't do both at the same time. And so we will either produce the works of the flesh, as it's said up here, all of these different thing, and that'll be produced in our lives, or we will allow the Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit within our lives. That's our choice. You know, I thought it was interesting. Last time I spoke, I spoke in uh, Corinthians, and it talked about the church and the struggles they were having. Two of the words they used to describe the church at that time and the believers who were at each other said there was strife and jealousy among you, and those two words are mentioned in this list of Fruits of the flesh, or that comes from the flesh. A friend of mine explained the Christian life in this way. I was interested. She said, when we come to faith in Christ, we are saved from the penalty of sin. At that moment, when you put your faith in Christ, his death on the cross removes the penalty. You will not have to suffer for your sins eternally before God. God has replaced the penalty of sin with his righteousness. So when you come to Christ, at that point, you don't have to deal with the penalty of sin. As we live by faith in Christ though every day, even though we're saved for the penalty of sin, we still have to face the power of sin in their lives. So we are being saved from the power of sin as we learn to obey Christ more, as we learn to walk by the Spirit. We are being saved from the power of sin. It doesn't have the power over us as it used to, but it's a process. It doesn't happen all at once. And then when we arrive in heaven, she says we will be saved from the presence of sin. Sin will be no more. There'll be no uh, fight among us. There'll be no battle among us. It'll be gone. She goes on to describe this fight within us is like a, a dog fight, she said. So she says, whatever dog you feed will be the stronger dog. And how true is that? If we feed the flesh, it'll be hard to walk in obedience to God. If we feed God, we allow God's spirits to work within us, we have strength there by his spirit. So it's a fight. It's a reality. But what does it mean? Walk by the Spirit. How does that happen? How can someone walk by the Spirit? I mean, it it sounds good. Uh, What does it look like? To answer this, I think I'd like to consider five things before before us five things that we need to also understand as we think about walking by the Spirit. First, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is who we're talking about? It says walk by the Spirit. Who who are you talking about? We think about a spirit in our lives, we think of a a, a non Uh, a kind of non-being. We think of a ghost, a spirit. It's like, it's not a a real thing in some ways. But the Holy Spirit, he is God. We'd say he's not an it, he has a being. He is equal with God. And he is one of the, we call the Godhead. He is the third person in the Godhead, and we call the Godhead the Trinity. And this is where it gets interesting, uh, because he's co-equal with God, the Father, and God, the Son. They exist together. And for us, it's like, how do you wrap your mind around that? And, and like the Father, God the Father, and God the Son, He possesses a will and intellect and emotions. He is God, and all of God's, uh, God is like. And, you know, many times we try to explain it, but we cannot define the Trinity. It is beyond us to define the Trinity. There was a seminary professor once, said this. He said, the man who denies the Trinity will lose his soul. The man who tries to understand the Trinity will lose his mind. When you try to understand God, we we just got to realize our infinite minds, our, our finite minds, our small minds cannot understand an infinite God. And I look in scripture, Paul once in the book of Romans, he was trying to explain to the Roman church the mercy of God. So for about three chapters from the ninth Through the 11th chapter, Paul is trying to explain how the mercy of God impacts our lives. And at the end of chapter 11, it's like he just gave up. He said, this is all I could say. And he began to worship. And what he said was, oh, the depth, the riches, and wisdom, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has given him a gift that it might be repaid? For him for for him and through him and to him are all things to god to him be the glory forever i mean paul was like let me explain and and paul had a mind as we read the scriptures and read his writings like paul how do you think like this but even paul could not describe god explain god he tried he really tried but he couldn't all he had to do all he could do is worship and we tried different ways to explain the trinity we'll talk about it it's like water You know, it can exist in three forms. It can be liquid, it can be solid, and ice, it can be steam, it can be vapor. Or we talk about a person's relationship, like a a woman. A woman can be someone's wife, someone's mother, and someone's daughter. It's the same, but all those are just, uh, you know, shallow examples of, of the greatness of God. And so I think about this, you know, I cannot comprehend the Trinity. I just can't. But, like Paul, I can worship. I can worship him. Even though I can't comprehend. I can worship. And I think that's what he's called to do. And, 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 and in my brief explanation of the, of the Holy Spirit here, I mean, there are books written on it. So I, I, I can't do it justice, but I can say the Holy Spirit is God and he lives within us as believers. Now that's, that's mind blowing as well. How could the God who created the universe live within me? I just, that, that blows my mind. That, that, that causes me to want to worship so I think I have to accept that by faith and just enjoy it. I can't, I can't understand it. I just enjoy it. Okay. I think, um, you know, uh, I shared this with you. When, when uh, Kai and I got married and I was at the altar waiting for her to come forward, and I looked and I saw her. She was just incredibly beautiful. And it hit me, why would she want to marry me? I mean, I just felt so uh, you know, unworthy. And I thought, I don't understand it, you know, but I can enjoy it. I can enjoy this moment, I don't understand why, but I can enjoy it, I think that's what God said, you don't have to understand, just enjoy. Enjoy what I've provided for you in the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit, he says, walk by the Spirit. So, why did God send the Holy Spirit? I'd like to read several um, several uh, passages from the scripture about it. When Jesus was speaking before he left the, world, the earth, he told us what, the Holy Spirit was coming. But why did he send them? And and, and this is not an exhaustive list of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, but this is some of it. In John 14, 16 to 17, uh, on the eve of his crucifixion, he wanted to comfort his disciples. He knew he was leaving soon. The disciples didn't understand, but he wanted to reassure them. So he told them, he said, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom your world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And later in verse 26, the same chapter in John, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then he goes on in John 16, verses 17 through 11. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the rule of the world is judged. He goes on in chapter 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Later in the book of Acts, he's speaking to them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. He continues to say, this is the Holy Spirit is coming. He's going, to, he's going to be with you. I can't be with you, but I can send him. And it's better that if I don't be with you, because I, in his human form, he was limited. The Holy Spirit could be in all of us at the same time. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, he says, Paul says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. We are the children of God. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, he said, in him, in him you also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So God sent his Holy Spirit to teach us all things, to convict us of our sins, to lead us to righteousness, to empower us to be his witnesses, confirm within us that we are his children, and to seal us for all eternity. You cannot become a Christian, understand the Bible, pray, live a holy life, or witness or do anything for the glory of God apart from the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that works in and through us. Without him, we would not be able to live this life. So the Holy Spirit is real. He's the third person in the Trinity. And he is living among us. And he came to live among us, to make us the people of God. Third thing I'd like for us to look at is In Ephesians 5, as in Galatians 5, Paul tells the church at Ephesus similar to, he didn't use the same words when uh, he said in Galatians, walk by the Spirit. He said, in, in Ephesians 5, he said, be imitators of God. Walk in love. Walk as children of the light. Be those that live differently than the world around you. And then a little later in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, we're instructed, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit and addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to god the father the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another out of reverence for christ do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery how many of us have used the word debauchery this last week It's not a word that uh, we use a lot. What does it mean? Uh, When you get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, it is the giving over to the sensual side of life, just the excess in that side of life. And For any of you who have uh, participated in uh, drinking uh, excessively, you know what happens when you get drunk. You lose your ability to do what you would normally do. You lose many times inhibitions, uh, and you do things that you wouldn't normally do. And then the next day someone tells you what you've done and you think, no. Did anybody get any pictures? Did anybody get a video? You're you're shocked that you would do those things. Uh, I had a friend of mine in college. We were roommates and one evening he got drunk and he came home. He said, he told me this the next day when he got to our house, he said uh, he got out of the car and there was a hedge around our house. And for some reason that moment, he felt he was a horse and he needed to jump that hedge. So he took off and he told me that he tried to jump it, and it was obvious he tried to jump it the next day, but it was obvious he didn't make it either. Well, he looked to me like he had been in a fight with a big cat, and he had lost, because he was in pretty rough shape. And I'd say, I said, why did you do it? He's like, I don't know, I, was, I guess I was drunk. And even myself, I think, you know, when I, when I was in college, I, I didn't drink really in college, and so once some friends of mine took me to a bar, and they wanted to see if they could get me to a place where they could, you know, teach me some things, I guess. So they, they ordered some drinks, I remember called Flaming Hurricanes. It's pretty, pretty amazing, I remember, it's been almost 40 years ago. And these drinks would come out and they were in a pretty good sized glass and there was a fire on top of them. So I asked these guys, I said, is this, has this got alcohol? Oh yeah, it's got alcohol, but that fire burns all the alcohol off. So no problem, there's no alcohol left in it, it's just like fruit juice. So I said, okay, that sounds good. So I started drinking them, and after about two of them I realized these guys lied to me <laughs> because but, but I thought by that time I didn't care because I was feeling pretty good and, uh, and then uh, there was a, a lady performing on stage and I was pretty much enthralled with her and I think her name if I remember right, was Lulu and all I can remember is shouting Lulu I love you Lulu will you marry me and uh, my friends were cracking up and then then I wanted to get on stage and sing with her. So I started to go to the stage and they grabbed me and pulled me back. And uh, they thought that was the most hilarious thing. And the only thing I could think of is I'm so thankful that there were no cell phones and no social media at that time. And so because of that, I can do what I do today because those things didn't exist. But I thought, I wouldn't do that normally. Why would I? I can't sing. If you've ever t- heard me try to sing, you know I can't sing. So why did I think I want to sing with that lady? Why did I, what was happening? I was influenced by the alcohol. And I think it's a funny story sometimes, and, but sometimes there's some dangerous consequences as well. But Paul said, don't get drunk on wine, whereas you lose your inhibitions and go into some, you know, the, the, basically you begin to give yourself over to the desires of the flesh, do whatever you want. But he said, be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit influence you. Let Him Be in charge. Be follow him. So I think, when I think of that that comparison, being filled with the Spirit will lead us to do things we wouldn't or couldn't normally do. According to this scripture, it says we will greet each other with scripture. We will encourage each other in the word of God uh, if we are influenced by by the Spirit. It says we will sing to the Lord. We'll give thanks always and for everything. We'll have a spirit of gratitude thanks for what God's doing in our lives. Um, and we'll submit to one another. I don't have to be over you. I can submit to you. I can learn from you. In other passages, it says when we're under the influence of the Spirit, we'll forgive those who have sinned against us. We'll love our enemies. We'll repay evil with good. We'll pray for those who mistreat us. When we're under the influence of the Spirit, we'll give to those who ask of us. We'll do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. We'll humbly count others more insignificant than ourselves, and we will look to serve and not to be served. And if we're under the influence of the Spirit, we will be able to pray as Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. I have a friend who was who was in business and he had a business partner who the business partner called himself a Christian. But over time in the business, he began to cheat my friend out of the business. And it came to a point where he had over control the business, so he basically forced my friend to leave the business. And when I was talking to him sometime later, uh, he said many people had counseled him to take legal action against this former partner. He said, you have every right to take legal action. But he said, I chose to move on and trust God. He said... Uh, People thought he was crazy. He said, what he did to you was wrong. You need to right that wrong. And he said, you know, I, I had a right to take legal action, but I didn't think that was right in God's eyes. So I need to trust God. People think, are you crazy? What are you drinking? What are you smoking? You, you have every right to do this. Why would he be doing that? He was definitely influenced by something, but it was not by his flesh. And he told me, he said, he found another job. And soon he had done so well in the other job he didn't miss what he left in the first one. And he had his peace with God continued. And I think, yes, he was under the influence, but it wasn't of his, of his flesh. It was of the Spirit of God. He was living, filled with the Spirit. He was walking by the Spirit. But as I look at my life and many times in other people's lives, we don't walk that way a lot. We struggle with walking by the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit I think a couple reasons for that is either I don't understand how to walk by the Spirit or I don't believe that I can have God's power in my life. The Christian life is a miraculous and supernatural life. Christianity is not what we do for God. It's what God has already done for us. And apart from faith in Christ, you cannot become a Christian. And apart from moment by moment, faith or dependence on him, you cannot live the Christian life. That's the way God made it. You know, as we grow in our our, our physical lives, you know, we we look to be mature. When you become a mature person in a physical life, you you need your your family less and less. You can make your own decisions. You can, you know, get your own place and and live your own life. You might reach out to them for some advice, but you don't depend on them. When you're younger, you're just a new baby, you're completely dependent on your, your family, but then as you grow, you become less dependent. But in the Christian life, it's the total opposite. It's the total opposite. We become mature in Christ when we're totally dependent on Christ. And I think that works against our nature. We don't like to be dependent. We like to be able to do our own thing. And Jesus says, you cannot. You cannot live this life without being completely dependent upon me. When you are walking by the Spirit, or as we read in Ephesians, filled by the Spirit, Christ lives his supernatural life in and through you. Most Christians... Do not understand this many times they don't have to understand how to draw on the resurrection resources of Christ by faith and so they try to live it in their own life I remember myself when I first became a Christian I thought okay Jesus brought me to his family now I gotta live like it and it's gonna be my, 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 my effort I'm gonna work as hard as I can and I kept failing until I realized no he wants to live his life through me I can trust him and then many people don't believe they can trust God with all their lives sadly They live in fear of what God might ask them to do. Uh, They're afraid he will ask them to give up more than they're willing to do. And they fear that he may lead them to some place that is dangerous or remote. I don't know, about 30, 40 years ago, there was a singer who put out a song. He says, oh, Lord, don't lead me to Africa. You know, that was like a fear of his. I don't want to go there, anywhere but, but there. And many times we fear the Lord. Like, Lord, if I give you... All of my life, you know, can I trust you? But I've learned in 40, 50 years of following the Lord, you can trust God. We can trust God. If He does not lead you, if He does lead you to live, give up or, or sacrifice something, He will give you more in His blessings in return than you'll receive if you don't trust Him. God alone is worthy of our trust. We can trust Him. So I invite you to come freely to Christ and say, Lord, here I am. Take my life and use me for your glory. As I found in my life, you won't be disappointed. You will be understanding what it means to walk in relationship with him. And finally, um, we walk by the Spirit or are filled with the Spirit by faith. In Colossians 2, 6. We're instructed, it says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do we receive Jesus? By faith. You heard the message, you understood the truth, and you placed your faith in his words to you. We walk in the same way. We, We came to Christ by faith, we walk by faith. If you desire to live a life that pleases the Lord and are willing to surrender your life totally, to Him. And if you're willing to confess every known sin the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance, you said, I don't want to live with sin in my life, I want to give this up so I can walk with the Lord, you can be filled by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. We know it's God's will for us to walk by the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit because He commanded us in Galatians 5.16 in Ephesians 5:18. He said, "Walk by the Spirit." He said, "Be filled with the Spirit." We know that's what he wants for us because he's told us that. And in 1 John 5:14 and 15, we read, "And this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we asked of him." According to that verse, if I ask in faith to be filled with the Spirit, to be empowered to walk by the Spirit, which is His will, He says He will do it. He will act according to His will. And he will hear my prayer and He will grant my request. But i got to realize, as I said before, I cannot be led by my flesh and walk by the Spirit at the same time. It doesn't work. Christ cannot lead me if I'm not willing to follow Him. I must turn from my flesh to Him. This involves faith. As an expression of my my will in prayer, I can surrender my life to him and by faith draw upon his resources to live a holy and fruitful life. So I'd like to close my message this morning by leading us in a prayer. If you would like to say, I I want him to be in charge of my life. I want to give my life fully to him. I want him to empower me to walk by him. I want him to fill me with his spirit. I'll pray a prayer. And as I pray, if you desire to be led and empowered by the Spirit, I invite you to pray with me. I'll pray a line by line, giving you time to respond by repeating silently right where you sit after me. It's between you and God. But if you desire that He have control of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. So let's pray. Father... I need you I hunger and thirst for a more vital relationship with you I admit I have allow, allowed the desires of my flesh to lead me as a result I have sinned against you thank you for forgiving my sins through Christ's death on the cross for me I now confess And turn away from my sins and surrender the leading of my life to the Lord Jesus. By faith, I invite you to empower me to walk by your spirit and to fill me with your Holy Spirit as you commanded in your word. You promise to give me whatever I ask when I ask according to your will. I pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And to demonstrate my faith, I now thank you for empowering me and filling me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. In this passage, in, um, in both Galatians and Ephesians, it's not a, a one-time thing. It's like continue walking by the Spirit. Continue letting Him fill you. It's not a, a one-time prayer. It's a continued prayer for Him. Um, So whenever the Holy Spirit convicts you of any sin in your life, you see that you've taken over, you're following your sinful nature, I invite you to pray a prayer similar to this again and continue to walk by and be filled with the Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that your desire is that we be empowered by your Spirit to live this life that only Jesus could live, You desire that for each of us. And then we can show the world that there's a difference. We are influenced by a power greater than we would ever know apart from you. So, Father, use us for your glory. Make us as a body of Christ, a church, uh, those that walk by your spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name.